Welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman alongside my colleague Ryan O'Halloran out here at Dove Valley after getting back from Minneapolis last night. And uh, a storybook first half and a nightmare second half. And what quite a historic collapse, Ryan. Historic uh, 20 points or more. The last 99 NFL teams had won when leading at halftime but uh, not this time up at U.S. Bank State. Yeah, I mean, er everything that could go right for the first 28 minutes of the game did. I mean, they're up 20-0. They had two takeaways. They are hitting some big plays. They were challenging the Vikings down the field. They were locking down Stephon Diggs, who had no catches. Dalvin Cook was a non-factor. But the first turning point, and there were many, was they get a special teams takeaway, red zone, meant to go up 20-0. If you kick the field goal, 23, okay. If you score a touchdown, you put the Vikings away. I have no problem with Vic going for the touchdown there. He says, well, if I would have run it three times, I would have kicked it. Everybody would have roasted me. Well, not really because you would have up 23 nothing, And it may have been a different game. But I think Brandon Allen admitted he got a little greedy there. Uh, he was trying to make a big play even though he had time and downs to, to work his way in closer to the goal line. On the replay, it looked like he just um, – threw off his back foot and threw right into basically double coverage yeah, I mean it, it, it was a sort of a bracketed thing it just wasn't right. a smart decision which was out of character for him through the first game and a half even though the Vikings didn't score on that you look back on okay what was the start of it the turnover hurt but I look I look at the second half the Vikings make it um they score their second touchdown is an 18 play drive a lot of tempo defense is probably gas for Denver offense goes three and out Defense has to come back on the field two, two, three plays later, 54 yards of digs. To me, I thought, okay, now they're in trouble, even though the Broncos were still leading. So all those mistakes, all those, you know, third downs, penalties on Duke Dawson, which was just a ridiculous penalty for him to take, five yards downfield on third and ten. It all added up. And then when they scored, take the lead, Vikings hung on. Broncos got down to the three. Well, they had no timeouts. Cortland Sutton being double teamed. It was going to be a tough putt to uh, get in the end zone. They weren't able to do it. And Minnesota took a timeout to basically kind of give the Broncos a little uh, breathing room there oh. with about 10 seconds left because uh, they were discombobulated on defense. That's that's what I thought. So I'm watching it this morning, okay, because I wanted to get the exact time. It looked like Allen's play was blown in at 25 not 33. Okay. The referee is pretty slow to spot the ball. You could tell Allen was having trouble here in the play clock. For some reason, the Vikings look like they, they they had 11 men on the field that looked like they were in decent shape. Mike Zimmer calls a timeout. I mean, talk about a stay of execution. That could have cost the Vikings the game. So then they take three shots. On the TV copy, you, you can only see Sutton on the first one being totally wrapped up in double coverage the question that maybe for rich gangarello later in the week is in those tight red zone situations what kind of stuff can you do to free up sutton do you put him in motion do you you know run a wink wink illegal pick play to to free him up so i didn't have any problem with the play calls down in those last three you know they knew that you had to throw it because you had no timeouts you threw it once the patrick looked like he had his 
face masks tugged and then fanned the last two times. Well, and, you know, really, yeah, you can put it on the offense and lack of execution in the red zone there at the end. You can put on McManus making, missing a 42-yarder earlier in the fourth quarter that would have set the Broncos up for a game-winning field goal on that last drive instead of having to punch it in. But I also really think most of the heavy blame's got to fall on that secondary, which secondary had been very good all year. Devonta Harris had been settling in. Well, Devonta Harris got picked on a lot, gave up a bunch of catches, and you mentioned the 54-yard bomb. Uh, Kirk Cousins roasted him for 300-plus yards, multiple touchdowns. And on that bomb, Chris Harris, you could see he was visibly upset. Cram Jackson took accountability after the game saying, hey, I should have been there on safety help. Yeah, and, and that's what I wrote about at the top of the ratings, which are going to be online in tomorrow's paper. This was the pass defense that was fourth in the league, giving up 202 yards per game, had given up only seven touchdown passes the entire season. In just the second half yesterday, Kirk Cousins went over 250 and had three touchdowns. Let's take care of the the, um, the Diggs touchdown first. I had the Vikings radio on. They made a good point. Diggs sort of looked confused at the snap, like which route he was going to run. I wonder if he was playing possum a little bit because he, he ran straight ahead and Chris was playing inside leverage. He was, he was covering the go route. When Diggs turns the post, Chris got had to turn his hips. That was all over. Here's why, here's where Kareem Jackson comes from. And Cousins rolled out to the other side, so Kareem says that's where his eyes were. But here's the other factor that you did, I didn't notice until today. Devontae Harris was benched for that series, replaced by Isaac Yadam. Okay, if you're Kareem Jackson, you're thinking, okay, I'm playing in single high. They're going to go after Yadam. And, but they didn't. I mean, so it, it was a setup play. Uh, Kareem wants that one back. But, I mean, this was a total breakdown by the secondary in this game. It, you know, the pass rush was there. They had a bunch of sacks. But, you know, Vic said today, a little soft in coverage. Well, that's that's your young guys. They don't want to get beat over the top. They don't want to be blamed for a touchdown. Duke Dawson, Vic, not happy. <laughs> but no. I wonder if you see maybe a little Will Parks. Uh, more in your nickel situations at Buffalo on Sunday. Now, Duke just plays with poor technique. And, you know, he had great coverage on that third and 10. And the guy threw it to him. It was going to be a fourth down. Yet you kept, you know, grabbed, you didn't, you didn't grab, and you didn't let go. That's a fresh set of downs they went on the score. So, you know, what we're talking about here are all these little things. And they add up to cost you a game. You mean death by inches? <sighs> Well, if I'm surprised, I'm sure that'll be used elsewhere. I say, I say, death by a thousand paper cuts. Uh, but on the flip side, there were some positives, and really, that's you really. I think for the Broncos, if you're a Bronco fan, you got to look at okay. They took it to an eight and three team for the better part of a half. They just have to be able to, to, to sustain that to sustain that performance. Cortland Sutton, I thought was a star yesterday. How impressed were you with him and what he have to say after the game? Yeah, five catches, went over 100 yards again, had multiple catches in traffic, in double teams. Uh, you, you saw him becoming a factor, even fourth and one in Vikings territory. They handed it off on the end of the round, and he stretched out to, to get the first down. So obviously – Rich Scangrello's like, hey, we got to get him involved. We got to get Noah Fant more involved, but please, maybe not on those running plays that we've seen because those have been yeah. disastrous. That's a podcast for another time, though. Uh, but yeah, S- Sutton just emerging as a premier wideout in the NFL because when, as Tim Patrick pointed out, and he had a big game in his first game back from IR, if you're getting double covered and you're still making the catches, then you're in elite category. Speaking of elite category, Shelby Harris had himself a day, career high three sacks, first first force fumble, uh, and two tackles for loss. Yeah, I mean, I nose tackle 
he was probably playing out of position early this season. When they moved him at the end, it probably gave him some better matchups. He's always been a good guy batting down passes. And the Vikings offensive line was terrible yesterday. I mean, Draymond Jones is sacked. The guy just let him run free. Uh, Miller beat his man uh, to the you know with a speed move. But you know, Shelby's an effort guy. He's also playing for a contract. I think he's a guy they should return next year because he is part of that nice rotation there. Him and Purcell. Because because they're you know with Shelby he's versatile and you know and Nickel yesterday they played a couple snaps with Harris and Purcell two big guys so it means they have confidence in their pass rushing ability but I want to hit on Sutton one more time is he's drawn eight penalties in the last four games that's why you keep throwing to him because he has good hands he's going to catch it there's a chance he may draw a penalty and that's free yards so I think the benefit yesterday is Rich Gangarella said okay this offense is going to go through Cortland Sutton. It's going to go through Noah Fant. It's going to go through Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay played 35 more snaps than Royce Freeman yesterday. They had played within three and five snaps together for most of the season. So I think we saw a changing of the guard a little bit. Philip Lindsay, obviously your number one guy. So, you know, there are playmakers on this offense. Go to them. Ride them. This is not a this is not an orange slices and juice box team here. You, you, everybody doesn't get a touch. If If you have a hot hand go to them. And, you know, Tim Patrick coming back pushes Deshaun Hamilton further out of the mix. He played 42 snaps yesterday, wasn't even targeted. So that's enough of the Minnesota game. Uh, let's move forward. I want to tee up on injuries. Uh, Andy Janovich is the big one. Andy Janovich, yeah, going down yesterday, Sunday in Minneapolis with a elbow injury, dislocated elbow. He'll be out for the season, headed to IR. So, obviously, Broncos now have a roster spot to play with, and uh, Vic, Vic basically said that they're going to use it at a different position other than quarterback this week. Yeah, and, you know, they like Andrew Beck there. Uh, they acquired him off waivers from New England on Labor Day weekend, and he played fullback while Janovich was coming back from that pectoral injury. So, I think they feel okay there. Um, with Janovich, not, if you're him now, you're, you're really glad you signed your contract extension because your season was basically a, a zero with just six games played. So yep. as for that other roster spot, I mean, they're probably going to be churning here the rest of the year. You know, Is there a corner that they like that can maybe come in and challenge some of these young guys? You know, A week from now, this would probably be Drew Locke's roster spot, or they could decide, hey, we're going to put Brett Ripon back on the practice squad. So... You know they, you know these are one of the few teams that really uses a fullback, so it's a big opportunity for Beck. It's a big loss for Janovich. So, but you know Jawan James, Vic didn't have a lot to add there. I'm at the point with Jawan. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, he's in prove it mode because uh, he hasn't really practiced a lot. And then uh, you know Hireman missed yesterday, but and then Walker, Demarcus Walker should be ready to go. I would think with that shoulder. So. Um, you know, another tough matchup with Buffalo. They actually scored a lot of points yesterday, which they hadn't been doing. Another team that, you know, is wild card position the Broncos are facing. Yeah, big opportunity for the Broncos against the Bills Mafia and for Andrew Beck. Like you said, he had been seeing action at tight end and then uh, stepped into Phil and Virginia in Minnesota. He'll be the fullback going forward. And going forward, final question here on the podcast, Ryan. Can this team bounce back? They've basically had four wins right in their hands and slipped through their fingers. Yeah. Um, is there anything left to salvage in this season, or is it basically the acceleration of Drew Locke countdown? Well, I think we're, you know, each week we're getting closer to that. But I think that the last seven games here, six games, excuse me, is about discovery. And, and I think Mark Kisler brought this up in the paper today is that, okay, you got to find out which young guys 
or core guys, and which your young guys are just guys. And I think that's what, you know, take advantage of the fact that you're not playing for a playoff spot and play some younger guys who are going to have some growing pains yet. You go into the offseason, okay, we can count on that guy. Or you go in the offseason and say, hey, he's a special teamer. So, you know, they've played a ton of guys who are new, who are young. Uh, I would look that for look for that to continue. <sighs> Last week at this time, if, if you would have said, hey, the Vikings, the Vikings are going to beat the Broncos, does that speed up Drew Locke's arrival date? I would have said, heck yeah. But Brandon Allen actually is playing okay. Um, yeah. I mean, he was one conversion away down at right inside the ten from being two and zero as a starter with an impressive victory in Minnesota under his belt. Yeah, and he, you know he made that fourth down happen with his legs juking the defender, getting out. Now he didn't get out of bounds. Yeah, but God, he got pounded up. <laughs> I think it was Fant who like let his block go. No, I had a tough day, tough day blocking wise. But my knee jerk is you stick with Allen for a little bit because. Drew Locke has really practiced one week in the last three months, and Brandon has given you a chance to win. You know, if you lose at Buffalo, um, you know, maybe you start Brandon against the Chargers. So it all depends. Do they feel Drew Locke is ready? Does he have enough practice time? Is he comfortable enough with the game plan? I mean, a week ago I thought they'd lose the Vikings win at the Bills. Um, well, I got half that right. The other half is to be determined. So I think they'll play well. I, I think they got a pretty strong bunch of character and uh you know they should take out of this that hey you continue what you did in the first half you would have been you would have beaten a seven and three team at a a loud stadium so i think there's they they can take a little bit of confidence out of that again folks first orange podcast ryan o'haller and kyle newman appreciate you listening to the show that'll just about do it for today's segment be sure to head to denverpost.com slash broncos and continue coverage of the team throughout this week and the rest of the regular season. Till next time, folks, take it easy.